I too want to say thanks to those of you who, who served this week, even as we had over 200 kids. We had over, I think, 140 volunteers who were involved in the week. So I want to thank you for your work. You know, as I said earlier, right, it's Father's Day. We're celebrating Father's Day. We've even got food trucks. We can hang out a little bit and celebrate. And uh, again, to those of you who are dads, we want to wish you a happy Father's Day. And for me now, um, you know, Father's Day is not just a day for me to call my dad. It's also a day to, to reflect on my own journey as a dad, and even as we're celebrating with younger families today, you know, it, for me, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago when I was at this stage of, of parenting. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And somehow it just feels like yesterday, but somehow I've gone from that to this. And, uh, you know, even, even, you know, even the little guy I was holding in that first picture was playing the drums this morning for us. And so I've, so I've now gone through multiple seasons, multiple kind of eras of being a dad and is gone through those different seasons and experienced the ups and downs, the moments that I celebrate, the moments that I wish I could do over. And there are those moments. One of the things I continue to learn as a father is that for those of us who are dads, we really do have opportunities and responsibilities to build into our kids, to, to encourage, to speak truth into them. And, and for those of you who are fathers, let me just kind of encourage you, whatever your season of life, to embrace to embrace that responsibility and opportunity. Even now, there's a growing body of research that suggests that for us as dads, there's a unique contribution, a unique role that we have to play in the lives of our kids. Of course, having said that, I also realize that, that for some of us here, our, our experience in family hasn't always been positive. For some of us here, there hasn't been that kind of person maybe speaking truth into your life, walking with you, encouraging you, being your cheerleader along the way. But regardless of your experience, I think even if you haven't had that kind of person, even if you haven't had that kind of dad, there's a real way in which the book of Proverbs almost kind of plays that role for us. This morning, we're, we're coming back to Proverbs, right? This series we're calling Wisdom for Life. And as we started this series last week, Proverbs is this book that, that really is about learning to live wisely. And in Proverbs, wisdom is all about living well in God's world. And even as we continue this series to morning, this morning, what we're going to see is there, there's a real sense in which Proverbs gives us that kind of vision for life. Here's what your life can look like. There's a real sense in which even as a parent, Proverbs speaks truth into your life and mine. In fact, parts of Proverbs are framed as, as, as a conversation between a father and his kids, a father and his son. So what, what I want to do this morning as we continue this journey and looking at themes in Proverbs is kind of just show you this wisdom that, that Proverbs wants to speak into your life, this vision of what your life can look like, what, can, what, what it looks like to live wisely. And, and I think, first of all, I, we need to kind of embrace this and wrestle with this and say, well, what does it look like for me to live wisely? Likewise, for those of us who are fathers, for those of us who are parents, even as we talk this morning to think about, okay, how do I how do I communicate this to my kids? How do I model this to my kids? How do I speak truth into the lives of my kids that reflects what we're talking about? 
So to show you what I mean, this vision of what your life, my life can look like, we're going to now come to Proverbs chapter 3. And in the opening part of Proverbs 3, as I said, it's, there's, there's this, it's this a speech of this father speaking truth into his son. And in essence, he's saying, look, I want you to embrace my teaching. That is, I want you, I want you to embrace I want you to embrace the truth that I'm communicating in this book about how to live well, how to relate to God, how to relate to other people. And then we get to what I really think is kind of this vision of what this life can look like. So let me show you. Let's continue in Proverbs uh, chapter 3. Here's the, really the vision of what this life can look like. like. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So kind of this dad's vision, the vision of Proverbs for your life is this. That you would embrace the teaching of this book. And you would embrace it in such a way that it really shapes you into a particular kind of person, right? a person who is characterized by love and faithfulness. Two different terms, powerful terms used here in the original language. The first communicates the idea of of love and kindness and loyalty, right? That you would become that kind of person. And then someone who is faithful, trustworthy, dependable. That's the vision that this father has, that he is communicating. Look, I, I want you to. I want you to. I want you to embrace my teaching in such a way that that it begins to shape your character, so that you become this kind of person at the core of who you are. Now, as you think about this, please understand me clearly. Proverbs doesn't deny the value of doing well financially. In fact, later in the series, we'll talk about money. Proverbs doesn't deny the value of really succeeding in your career and doing doing well vocationally. But what Proverbs does say is this. Look, to, to truly live wisely is actually to become a particular kind of person. Even as I think about that, you know, I think about our students, right? And students in our families. You, some of you have high school students. We've got some, some of our core community is here this morning. And, you know, I think about what you're going through as a high school student. And, and the reality is, you know, when you hit high school, <laughs> those of us who are older, we kind of start asking you questions. Like, what do you want to do? What do you, right? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to, what do you want to do when you get out? And I realize at times you may feel the pressure of that. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I got the rest of my life sorted out. So I'm sorry sometimes we just put this crazy pressure on you as high school students. And, and I also realized that some of you are going to do some really interesting things. Recently, I was hanging out with some of our students who just graduated from high school, and their interests were just all over the map, really some fascinating things that, that they're doing and going to be doing. You know, everything from ancient history and, and Near Eastern studies to cybersecurity to neuroscience. It's going, to be, it's going to be fun just to track these young adults and see all the things they do. But as a high school student, as as a teenager, as a young adult, my challenge to you, and all the pressure that we 
put on you about what are you going to do, what about what are you going to do, don't lose sight of who are you going to become. What kind of person are you going to be? And you see, so here's this dad and his vision for this life of wisdom, for living well, is that you would embrace his teaching in such a way that you become a particular kind of person. A person of character. A person of virtue. A person who who is dependable and trustworthy. A person of integrity. A person of love and loyalty and kindness. And notice what he says happens as you become this kind of person. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. That term favor here actually communicates, I think, the idea of grace. In fact, in the Greek version of the Old Testament, that's the word that is used here. And so arguably what the, what the author is saying is, look, as you, as you take my teaching seriously, and, and it's going to cover all sorts of topics, we're going to see that in this series, but as you take my teaching seriously, it's going to shape you into a particular kind of person. And as it shapes you into a particular kind of person, you are going to live in the flow of God's grace. And because you become a particular kind of person in your own way, you will become a person of influence because you're going to be trustworthy, dependable, and stable. So that's this this vision of what our lives can look like. That's kind of a vision of what it's like to live wisely. If that's the vision, how do, how do we get there? What is the, what's the process? Well, I think the process really is, is described in the rest of this major section in Proverbs 3, right? The process is described as we read on. So we read and we come to kind of a, a familiar, a famous part of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now, many of us, if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this verse before, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I've got to be honest. And, you know, at times when I've kind of heard this verse quoted or been reminded of the verse, I kind of, it's kind of deflating because it's like, okay, I just need more trust. You know, I've got oh, to believe more, trust more. And, and sometimes I wasn't fully tracking with what's actually being said. But to understand what's actually being said here, remember the context. Remember the context is this dad is speaking truth. And he's saying, I want you to embrace my truth so that you become a particular kind of person. And to do that, you need to trust in the Lord. Now, to help you think about what he's getting at, think about certain situations where you use the word, trust me. Let me give you an example. I think, I think about this, my mind goes back a few years ago, and so one of our sons was selling a, a, a gaming system online. He listed it on Craigslist. A couple of days later, he gets this offer. This guy says, I'll buy it for what you're asking. And then a couple of days after that, he gets this overnight letter in the mail, right? You know, one of those overnight packs? And he opens it up, and there is a check in the overnight letter. And it's actually for $400 more than the agreed upon asking price. And then he gets an email from the guy who says, look, I'm sorry, my secretary messed up. Uh, I paid you too much money, so just send me the system and the difference. Oh, you're skeptical too, yes. 
my son is explaining this to me, and I got skeptical. I even went online, and I Googled it, and it turns out this was a standard Craigslist scam. And this led to some really interesting conversations with my son. And I remember, here he is, right? He's holding this overnight letter. I mean, they paid $29 to send this overnight. And he's holding this check, supposedly worth $400 more than the asking price. Come on, Dad. And I look at him, and what do I say? Trust me. Trust me. This is a scam. Yeah, but Dad, look at the, it, the chat. It looks real. And, and look, it, they, they spent all this money to send it overnight. I get it. Trust me. This is a scam. Now, what, what, what was I saying with those terms? I was looking at my son and saying, look, in the, in, in the course of our relationship where you know I'm for you, what I'm asking you to do is choose one course of action rather than another. What I'm asking you to do is realize this is a scam and and don't send him the gaming device. Don't send him any money. I'm asking you to trust me and choose this path rather than this path. And that's really what's being communicated here is, right? This teacher, this dad is saying, look, in this book, I'm going to give you all this advice, this counsel about how to live well. And, And I want you to embrace that. But to embrace that, You need to trust that God is faithful to his promises. You need to trust that his ways are wise. And what that means is you need to put this belief into action. And that's what trust is, right? It's belief that leads to action. Another way to think about it is this. What he is saying is you need to put the truth that I'm communicating to you into action. That's what it means to trust in the Lord. I'm communicating this truth to you, and you need to put it into action. And and he says, I realize you may think some of this isn't important. You may think some of this doesn't make a difference. You may think, uh, you know, I've got this figured out. I can do it my own way. But what does he say? No, don't lean on your own understanding. No, trust. Trust that God's ways are wise and right. And so that's, that's what this process of living wisely looks like, right? It's the, it's the everyday process of putting God's truth into action, <laughs> sometimes in major ways, sometimes in ordinary ways. And likewise, in putting his truth into action, recognizing that, well, sometimes it may not seem to make sense. Sometimes it may not seem to be a big difference. Sometimes it may feel like, well, I'm not seeing any results. But whatever it is, just realize I'm still called to put his truth into action. And and I think it's important to understand that because, you know what, in the course of this series, we're going to be talking about different things different dimensions of the truth that that Proverbs shares with us. Everything from communication to marriage and family to work to money. And and as we talk about these different topics at times, you're going to see the truth in in, in the pages of Proverbs and you say, "Ah, I don't think I agree with that. Or you may say, "Ah, I don't think it's that big a deal. Or you may say, yeah, you know what? I've already kind of got it figured out. My plan seems to be working just fine. And, and all along the way, the, the, the father in Proverbs says, no, listen to me. You need to, you need 
You need to put this into action. You need to trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. I realize at times it may not seem like this is a big deal. I realize at times you're, you're not going to see an immediate difference. But trust in the Lord. Put his truth into action. That is the process of living this kind of life that I envision for you. So, so this is really... This is the vision of what our life can look like, right? And notice he then says, and he says, lean not on your own understanding. And then he says, in all your ways, submit to him. Now, that's a fascinating, that's a fascinating term that's used there. Sometimes it's translated acknowledge. But interestingly, the, the word used there in the original Hebrew is often translated no, K-N-O-W. And you can actually translate it this way. In, in all your ways, <laughs> know him and he will direct your paths. And you're like, well, why does it say that? Furthermore, why do, why do these translators translate it either as submit or acknowledge? And I think the idea being communicated is this. As we, we come to know God, the 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 process of knowing God ultimately involves worship. It involves submission. It involves obedience. And so what, what the author is doing is saying this, look, I want you, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to take my teaching. I want you to allow it to shape who you are. I want you to put it into action. And as you do that in everyday situations, in everyday realities, what you will discover is you're actually getting to know God better. So trust the Lord. Put his truth into action. And as you do that, you're going to grow in your understanding of who God is. And then, you know, he will make your path straight. Now, that's not a promise that your life will be worry-free. It's not a promise that things will always go according to plan. It's not a promise that there won't be complications or difficulties. But what it is saying is this. When those things happen, you will not have to get stuck. When those things happen, you can still live a life that is wise, that is moving forward in the right direction. So that's, that's really, that's, that's, that's where this book is going to take us as we look at different themes. The author is saying, look, put this into action. Put this into action. And as, a, as you do, you're, you're, you're placing yourself in the, in the flow of God's grace. You're being shaped into a particular kind of person. Now, as the passage continues very quickly, I think there are a couple of other things um, that the author shows us become a part of this process. And, and so let me, let me just highlight two other things that I think go in the process of being this kind of person who is learning to live wisely. So, so we are to put the truth into action. And, and here's one of the Here's one of the realities of what that will include. It will include growth. And I say that because look at how the passage continues, right? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Now, in essence, I think this is another way of saying what the author has just said, right? Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't think you've always got it figured out. Don't think your ways are best. Don't think it really doesn't matter whether I choose to kind of put God's truth into action or just do it my own way. It doesn't make a difference. Don't get stuck in that kind of thinking. 
Instead, put God's truth into action. Don't lean on your own understanding. So don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. But then the author says something that is really fascinating that almost seems out of place. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Now, what does that mean? Interestingly, when commentators talk about this passage, they suggest that it's talking not only about physical healing, but about emotional and spiritual healing. And here's what I think the author is getting at, and I think this is just fascinating. Now, it is the case that sometimes I think we can read Proverbs too simplistically, right? Sometimes it feels like you can read Proverbs and, you know, if I just push the right buttons, if I just pull the right levers, if I make the right decisions, my life will always go according to plan. And yet at some point we realize life doesn't work that way. But I don't think that's not a fair reading of Proverbs. Proverbs is more nuanced than that. Because you see, the reality is you and I, we live in a world that experiences the results and the consequences of sin, brokenness, and rebellion. And we know that. We know that culturally. We know it personally. And in our own way, each of us, right? Each of us carry the scars of that sin and brokenness in the journey of our lives. And what what the father in Proverbs is saying, the claim that he is making is this, this this journey I'm inviting you into of putting God's truth into action. It's not simply a journey where you you will get to know God better. It's also a journey where you will experience his growth and his healing. Uh, Sean Johnson is a pastor of of a, a large growing church in suburban Denver. And over the years, under his leadership, the church has experienced just, you know, just a lot of really positive things, a lot of growth, growing impact. But over the years, even as the church has experienced such wonderful things, and he's been in the midst of it, at a personal level, he went through a lengthy season of simply spiraling down. Spiraling down into anxiety, panic, and depression. And in some ways, it culminated in an experience where he was driving on one of the major freeways around the Denver area, and he pulled over to the side in the midst of a steep sense of panic, and he calls his wife from the shoulder of this multi-lane freeway and says, I don't even think I can drive home. I need somebody to come and get me. And that moment became the start of a journey, a journey of healing and a journey of growth. And he recounts what that journey has looked like in a recent book entitled Attacking Anxiety. It's a book I I just finished this week. And and what was fascinating to me was, so I'm reading reading this story of kind of the, the changes that he's made and what it's looked like for his life to move in a different direction. And even as I've been reading this story, at times, as I've been working in Proverbs, I've said, oh my goodness, what he's talking about, that's the exact same thing that, that I find here in Proverbs. For instance, one of the things he talks about in this journey of healing and growth is just the importance of friendship. 
He acknowledges that, you know, while a lot of this stuff was happening, while he was spiraling down, he, he had friends, but he also acknowledges they never truly knew what he was going through. He never revealed that to him. And so now in, in this new direction, he's come to understand the value, the need that he has for friends who actually understand what he's going through, friends that will actually stick with him and stand with him in those hard moments. In fact, he, he, he write, I, I thought this, this was a great line that he wrote. He said, all of us want to be truly loved, but to be truly loved, we must be truly known. And I was, I was reading that this week, and it, I thought, oh my goodness, you know, the book of Proverbs has so much to say about friendship, and we'll talk about that later in this series. Even that famous statement that, that you know, there, there can be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now, that may not mean a lot to you, but remember, Proverbs is written in an ancient context where your family connections, your family identity was everything. And to talk about a friend who sticks closer than a brother was a revolutionary idea. And so I was reading this book, and I thought, oh, wow, this, this, this journey is exactly what the father in Proverbs is describing. Take, take my truth seriously. And it can actually lead to growth and healing. Now, there's one other thing I want you to see that um, I think is part of this journey. Not only do we see that this journey involves growth, but it, but it also, I think, fosters generosity, and it includes generosity. So we continue and kind of finish this section with these words. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim, brim over with new wine. And, and of course, here, here the, the expectation is, as you take, my, as you take my, my teaching seriously, you need to understand that the resources in your life aren't just about you. You're, you're to participate in the work that God is doing. And of course, that was part of what it looked like to be a part of the Israelite community in the ancient world, even as, you know, financial participation is part of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in his church today. So there was the expectation that, that your resources were to be part of your worship. But what becomes clear, even as you read the rest of this chapter, I think, is that this is part of a bigger story that as we take the teaching of this book seriously, it, it is to move us outwardly into a life of generosity with others. And in different ways, the author talks about engaging others, serving others, using our resources to help other people so that it becomes clear that this life of, of wisdom becomes a life lived in an outward direction. So this, this is the vision. On this Father's Day, this is the truth that the dad in Proverbs wants to speak into your life. He looks at you and says, oh, here's, here's my vision for your life. I want you to take my teaching about what it looks like to live well in God's world. And I want you, I want you to embrace it in such a way that you put it into action. And as you put it into action, it's going to shape you into a person of character. And as you put it into action, it's going to shape you into someone who is living in the flow of God's grace. And as you live in the flow of God's grace, you're going to experience growth and healing, the growth and healing that only he can give. And it's going to move you in an outward direction into becoming a person who is generous in relating to God and other people. And that, 
That is truly living well. Now, as you look at this passage, there's, there's just one other thing I want to point out to you, and that is this. You go back again to, the, go back again to how the passage starts and that kind of vision that, remember, the Father has for our lives. And remember these words that, that in the midst of taking this seriously, um, you would find favor in, in the sight of God and man. Take that phrase and now fast forward multiple centuries and we come to the life of Jesus. And as Luke, the gospel writer, recounts the story of Jesus in describing the early days of Jesus' life, he uses very similar language. He uses language that echoes Proverbs 3 in saying that Jesus grew in favor with God and man. It's the same kind of language. Now, I I can't prove this, but I think it's an intentional echo. And I think in a somewhat subtle way, Luke is saying this vision of living well that you find in Proverbs 3 is the life that Jesus actually lived. And because he lived it, it is a life that he now makes available for you and me to live as we follow him. So this, this is the vision of living well. Now, each week as we go through this series, we're kind of inviting you to kind of reflect on a couple of the verses. And so this week, I would just invite you to reflect on that famous set of verses, right? To trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will direct your paths. And even to help you do that, if you pick up, even if you didn't pick it up on the way in, on the way out, the copy of the sermon notes, there's a devotional guide that just helps you reflect on that. And, and as you think about that verse, maybe just a recurrent prayer this week for you that I would invite you to pray is this. God, is there some place in my life where I'm needing to put your truth into action? In my relationships, in the roles I have, maybe in certain ways I interact with people, how I handle social media, how I'm going, in, in, you know, into my work each day. Is there some place where I'm needing to put your truth into action? And I invite you to wrestle with that because as you do, as you do, <laughs> the Father of Proverbs looks at you and says, yes. You're putting this into action. And as you put it into action, you are becoming the kind of person that will live in the flow of God's grace. And that is living well. Let's pray together. Gracious God, uh, again on this Father's Day, first of all, I pray particularly for those of us who are dads and and I realize for some of us, there's strain in certain relationships, and even Father's Day is hard, so I acknowledge that. But as we've been talking about wisdom, I pray that we would be wise in, in understanding the, the responsibilities and opportunities that you place before us as fathers. And I pray we wouldn't take that lightly. Likewise, I pray for all of us, I pray that we would be challenged by the vision that the Father of Proverbs has for our lives.
a vision to put your truth into action. And as we go through the series, it's going to show us more detail about what that looks like. Father, and I pray even now that for some of us, there, there, there may be some places where we're neglecting your truth. <laughs> we're acting as if it doesn't matter. We kind of feel like we've figured it out on our own and we're leaning into our own understanding. And so, Father, I pray that we would be challenged even this week, convicted even this week about those areas and what it might look like to live differently. Because in choosing to put your truth into action, we are choosing to live in the path of your grace. May we hear that invitation loud and clear this morning. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Even as I prayed for you this morning, we'd love to pray with you personally if you would like. So I'm going to invite members of our prayer team to be available here at the front. And I want to thank you again for joining us on this Father's Day. Hope you can stick around for some food and join us under the tent. And whatever your life looks like, whatever your responsibilities look like this week, I pray this will be a week when you choose to put God's truth into action and live in the flow of his grace. Amen.